Welcome to Ghosts and Grit. Hey, what's going on? So on this podcast, I'm joined by Katrina Weidman, who's my co-host on Portals to Hell. We do a deep dive into our investigation of Eastern State Penitentiary. It's also known as Episode 3, Season 1 of Portals to Hell. You can get that on the Discovery Plus app. This investigation was wild. We really do a deep dive into some of the things that happened to us. We talk about the evidence we captured. It's a good watch, so uh, I hope you enjoy. I'm your host, Jack Osborne, and I'm joined by... Katrina Weidman. My uh, illustrious uh, co-host and investigator of Portals to Hell. Um... All right, what's going on, Katrina? How you doing? I'm good. Um, it's a beautiful day here in California. It is. So it makes every East Coaster very happy. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it's a good day. I mean, we've had a hell of a winter, but uh, yeah, it's starting to warm up, which is nice. I'm starting to get to, I'm starting to get into lizard mode, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been having that back home. It was unseasonably warm, so it's like 90 degrees mm. in beginning April, which is not typical at all for philadelphia yeah no i always feel like i mean philadelphia feel it's that classic kind of east coast cold dreary oh no come on now it's a it's a sunny city sometimes I, <laughs> well it's always time. sunny it's always sunny it's in always Phil- sunny in philadelphia <laughs> <laughs> uh you know i was thinking about i was thinking about earlier on today i was i was like i wonder if like what is what was your trajectory to becoming a paranormal investigator um it it, God, it's so cliche at this point, isn't it? I grew up in a haunted house. <laughs> like, dun, dun, dun. It was, uh, yeah, we had, so from the time I was born to the time I was five or six, we had a house um, outside of Philadelphia. And when we moved out, my aunt took over the house. She had experiences. Her roommates had experiences. When she left, the family that moved in had experiences. When they left, the family that moved in had experiences and it got to the point where the mother of I think it was the last family that lived there before the current owner took over um, reached out to our neighbor like the backyards meet up and we're still really good friends with those people and she I guess had asked did you know the people that lived here before us and the neighbor was like well yeah we're still really good friends and the story that got back to us was well could you ask them if they ever had anything weird happen because our child's toys are playing by themselves? Oh. Which is what my aunt had experienced when she lived there. My cousin was um, like nine months old at the time. And he had, do you remember those old banks? He would put like a diamond and they would play music. Yeah. She had one of those and it would go off by itself. Except I think there were a couple of times there were no batteries in it or it was like, you know, but it would go off by itself. And it's also my cousin was nine month, months old in a yeah. crib. He wasn't doing it. Um, she would hear um, the Mylar balloons would follow her around, even though they were deflated. So they would like follow her up the steps. Um, my sister saw a little girl there. She also saw an older man a couple of times in the hallway. And what's interesting about the older man is the current owner. When I was working on Paranormal State, uh, everyone was like, can we get into your old house? I'm like, you know, I don't know. Let me try. And I talked to her. She does not believe in ghosts. <laughs> and it was very much like, no, this is not a haunted house. I, you know, I don't know what you guys experienced. And then she said, but you know what? <laughs> There's always that, you know what, though? Uh, she occasionally has clients stay over. And a client of hers stayed. And he said to her the next day, you didn't tell me this place was haunted. <laughs> and she's like, well, it's not. And he said, well, I saw a man 
he was either the man was either in the doorway or like making its way down the hall. And what's interesting about that is this experience happened, you know, probably 10 to 15 years after we moved out. Yeah. But it matches my sister's experience when she was a kid and he didn't know about that. And you've never tried to go back and investigate since? No, I haven't. But she's been there almost 30 years. So I'm thinking a house might come up for sale soon. Would you buy it? If, yeah, if I could, I totally would. Yeah. Um, I think there's something with the child there because there's been so many experiences with children. Mm-hmm. And then I talked to the, so right, the neighbors where our house uh, backed up to each other. They had three kids. My parents had three kids. So all the kids were really good friends. And I still keep in touch with them. And I was talking to um, the, the, she was a girl then, she's a woman now. And I was telling her the story. And then she's like, oh, well, our house was haunted too. It's like, wait, what? She's like, yeah, we used to see a woman in our house. I'm like, never heard the story. Then she tells me, oh, by the way, our neighbors, they were all twin houses. So the house attached to theirs, that neighbor had headstones to prop up the side of their house. And it was like, again, here's the record scratch. Like, what? (laughs) And she's like, yeah, they found these headstones in their backyard. And I guess part of their house was like sinking. So they used these headstones to prop up their house. Holy shit. So do you think maybe that there was it was a cemetery? There was a cemetery there at some point or? I don't know. I've looked at property records. Yeah. And I can't find any evidence of that. I know the people going back to when the land was developed, um, they owned like a lumber yard. Mm. So, and my mom used to find all sorts of stuff in the backyard, like old dishes. Yeah. So, you know, we had thought maybe people dump things, um, but I don't know. It's still a mystery to this day, but that was the spark that set me off on this. Yeah. Yeah. And then what? So you go, you go to university and yeah. you, when you were a kid, like a teenager, did you ever go like, you know? ghost hunt with friends you know break into the old asylum Uh, or anything like that oh yeah um it was very much because like the next house we moved in was haunted and the next house was really spooky looking just looks like an old witch's house and uh so i would always have the sleepovers and break out the ouija board and one of my friends would go home crying because they were such babies (laughs) (laughs) and i'm I'm now the baby that goes home crying when we go ghost hunting um but yeah it was always i didn't know what i was doing back then it was just sort of you know you vibing out yeah but it was very much read every book i could get my hands on i was so into it and so then i got to school and they had the club and went through training which was, I, I'm so thankful that they had a legit training class. That's because, cool. Well, you know what it did? It gave, I think it gave us respect for the field and for the people that you meet. Because I think if we hadn't have had that, you know, we probably would have approached it a lot differently. Well, yeah, and it kind of unifies you guys as well. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you guys will know the experiments that you're trained in. You'll yeah. you know how to communicate with each other. You know the lingo. It's yeah. You know it's it's very smart to do it that way. Yeah. And it's funny. Like I often wonder. Like when you hear about like ghost groups, I'm like, do you guys like just ghost hunt together? Like, and you don't really uh, you know in sync. Like, how does that work when people are just like, oh, it's my ghost hunting group? There's a lot of toxicity yeah. in in some of those groups. Um, I get reached out to all the time by people that are like, I was part of a group and egos this ego. It's yeah. like being in a band. Yeah. You know, everyone's trying to fight for the leadership role or something or, you know, somebody's faking things or somebody's, um, you know, just 
not being right with clients. And I've heard it all from a bunch of people. All right. Here's the real question. Yeah. What's up? Are you ever, are you ever going to tell the real story about what happened? With what? <laughs> Paranormal State. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like what really went down? What really went down? <sighs> Man. One day. Okay. I will just say it, it's it's a it's actually a really painful thing to talk about um and we kind of have a little group of us that i think are all dear friends because of everything we went through together um but there is multiple sides of it like there's the side where i'm i'm grateful for the opportunity because i met some of my best friends Mm -hmm. and i mean what an adventure we were still in college working in television traveling all over the country having these amazing experiences on the other side the the business part of it was really damaging and then there were personal things going on that I know pretty much all of us are still affected by today yeah because they were so hurtful um but I have not spoken about it really in detail publicly um I think a time will come for that yeah but I to be I, to be honest like 15 years later I'm still sorting through it mm. because it it just really kind of fucked with our heads. I don't know how to word it, but do you think there was a, a bit of uh, paranormal, you know, oppression at play with how things went down? Because you guys would, you guys were going off to like pretty. I mean, you guys were going off to some like heavy cases. Yeah, it wasn't just like, oh, this is an old asylum. It's like, no, there's like demons and here's the names and all that. Yeah, we were. I mean, and they were personal. They were things got deep, heavy, and personal. And I'm not opposed to thinking that, but I I think the danger with that is then it takes real world issues Mm. and takes the responsibility away from people and their actions and how they choose to treat people and puts it on the supernatural. And I'm not, I'm not into that because we're responsible for our our actions. hundred percent. Not a ghost. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) A Um, ghost made me do it. (laughs) But I mean, that being said, I do, I mean, there is the flip side of, you know, I think we have met people who there's something that's kind of influencing them. But I think in, in paranormal states specifically speaking about that, I think it was um, people. I just think it was people. I don't think it was spiritual. Yeah. You know, um, but and, and that's also, you know, the thing is, you know, it's so funny. And I wonder if you get this about the Osbournes. Do people reach out to you still to this day being like, Oh, man, I love that show. I feel so connected with you and your family. Totally, all the time. Right, and so it's like I don't. I, we get that with Paranormal State, and I, I hesitate to say some of the things that went down because it's like you don't want to like tarnish the the legacy. Yeah, because it it really, we still get letters from people, messages from people that are like, you guys helped us when we were in such a dark place, or. I never thought I could talk about this stuff. You guys helped me through it. Or when I was a kid, it was like my show that I watched or yeah. I bonded with my mom over it, whatever it is. And, you know, I kind of, it's kind of nice just to let it be, yeah. you know. Don't you think it's funny, though, how much fucking drama is in the ghost hunting world? <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it's so, like, it's almost worse than, like, Real Housewives. <laughs> Welcome to the field. Instead of throwing wine in each other's face, they throw holy water. (laughs) What's been like the craziest drama you've seen? Uh, You know, I've always been kind of like, 
I feel like I'm pretty friendly with every, you know, everyone in the field that I've come in contact with. Yeah. Um, you know, I know Amy and Adam, you know, we obviously we know like Chip and, you know, the psychics are kind of uh, the, the thing I love about the psychics is that everyone borrows from each other with them. <laughs> yeah. They're kind of like they're like the uh, they're like the, the whores of uh, of paranormal ghost hunting. They'll go with anyone as they long just as you pass them around. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but like, you know, I've worked with Jason Hawes. He was great. You know, I mean, I it but it is funny, though, how there's like. You know, I see it, you know, I sit back and I'm like, oh, wow, there's like there's like drama with that crew. Yeah. Yeah. It's I always I, I think what it is. This is just my interpretation of what I've seen. There's not a lot of ways to make a living mm-hmm. doing this work. There's television. There's books. I mean, kind, but I mean, even authors. I, I mean, the, the book game has changed so much. Yeah. Um, and there is academia, but again like how much Fringe money are, academia right like what are you really making in that so it's um <clears throat> and that that pool is very very tiny to work in any kind of university or you know research and so i think what it is is there's so few opportunities that it just becomes like so freaking competitive yeah yeah you know yeah it is it is it you know i guess that's it, it it's very competitive you yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I keep to myself. Right. Like, and it's the and but like the funny thing is like every and that's it's the smartest move. Yeah, because everyone you know no one ever has a bad thing to say about you, and it's like you know not that they could say anything bad about you, yeah. except that when you. Here's a, here's a bit of here's a bit of thing about uh, Katrina. One time we were in a hotel and she was in the room above me, and all night long I just kept hearing dung 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 dung, and I'm like, what in the shit is going on? I thought like I didn't know it was Katrina above me, but I was like, someone is just having a really wild night. And then, dung 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 for hours. Turned out <laughs> Katrina was trying to get her personal best in burpees. <laughs> We're just doing burpees for like two hours. At like one in the morning. Yeah, and I'm like, what? I just want to sleep and these people are fucking above me. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, I guess, you know, we've caught up. Should we dive into a little Eastern State Penitentiary? I think we should. It's right. And this was your favorite. This was this is up, up there with like my in my top five for sure. This is like kind of your home hometown. I mean, how many times have you investigated ESP? once with you really yeah isn't that funny holy shit i thought like that would have been like like a weekend like a weekly thing for you no no um i've been there before for history stuff okay and like you know taking their tours and uh steve buscemi actually if you take the audio tour he's the narrator really yeah it's really (laughs) (laughs) it's like so unexpected (laughs) is there like a boardwalk empire connection or something (laughs) i don't know uh maybe because of the mobster stuff Uh, okay and like al capone yeah you know maybe that's the connection but interesting yeah. yeah but i had never been there for ghost hunting okay and like, but that place is legendary. Absolutely. It is. I think when you think of haunted Philadelphia, Eastern State is the first thing that pops into everybody's mind. Yeah. Um, and even I think when you think of prisons, like just notorious American prisons, it's probably in people's top five. And it is so big. Yeah. And it's terrifyingly big. Was that the thing that you were most surprised about? Yeah, because it, it when you start seeing like, oh, like this is what it used to look like. But then how many like spokes they've added mm. on to the kind of main rotunda, as they call it. Yeah. It's like it's and there's just corridor after corridor after corridor just coming from this like central hub. Um, 
but I, you know, I actually, I really, because that was the second time I'd been to Eastern State Penitentiary. I went and did like a history tour with my dad when I was doing World Detour. Whoa. You can grab a pair of white gloves there on the table. We have a bunch of different objects for you guys to see. We have things that were made here inside of the prison, as well as some of the objects that were used to secure the prison. And then, of course, shanks or shivs were kitchen utensils that were given to you guys who were locked up here and then turned into weapons. Wow. And then I know you were interested in seeing some of the inmate-made weapons or yeah. shanks and shivs, so you guys can feel free to pick any of them up. This one is very special because it was actually found by somebody that currently works here. Wow. She opened a drawer inside one of the cells and this fell out onto the ground. Wow, so that's like a real from the 1970s probably. Probably from the 1970s, yes. And so like I, I learned a lot about the kind of, you know, the museum component of it. And it's actually a really fantastic museum. Yeah. Like aside from the ghost stuff, like the way that they kind of tell the story of like modern day, you know the you know the modern day prison industrial complex kind of and walking you through the history of like this is basically where it started um it's it's wild yeah I mean, and it's fucking crazy the shit they used to do to prisoners i know can you imagine be, first off i always think back imagine being that prisoner and you're like in the little bus or the carriage i mean depending on the time period and you see that prison, mm -hmm. and you know that's where your life is going to yeah, be. It's like you're getting dropped off at, like, Dracula's castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is so ominous looking. Um, it, what did you, when you first went with your dad, did you feel anything when you were there? I just remember it being really, just so spooky. Yeah. So, like, just creeped out, like, huh. Like, you, you got some of those hallways that are so decrepit and falling apart. You know, you go down, and you're just, like, this... I mean, well, they used it, and but it's um, it's like something out of a movie, and they used it in Twelve Monkeys. And oh yeah, that was the mental asylum from Twelve Monkeys, and um, it it almost looks like a set. It's that creepy. They when they do their haunted house, it is like you're in a vampire music video. Really, it is so insane. Have they stopped the ghost hunts, like the ghost fright nights now? I don't know. I just recently I was looking to do a photo shoot there. And um, I reached out to a friend who, uh, you know, has ties to them. And I just said, hey, you know, um, do you have any connections there? Somebody personal I can reach out to. And I didn't tell them what it was, what it was for. So they automatically thought it was for the paranormal. Mm -hmm. And they said to me, they are not doing any more paranormal. Interesting. And I was like, oh, well, it's for something else. And they were like, oh, then here's the contact. So I don't know the full story, but that was the last update I had. So I don't know. Hmm. Maybe they... Uh Maybe they just don't like our kind anymore. I There's people that ruin it. Yeah, well, there, there <laughs> always is. There's always people that ruin it. That's yeah. for sure. Um, now, growing up in Philadelphia, was it like a known thing that Eastern State was, was haunted? Oh, 100%. Every, I mean, that was, I think, the quintessential haunted place in the area. It was Eastern State, I think, over every other place. Um, the county. So I grew up outside the city. And our county was really well known to be haunted because there was a woman who um, she wrote these books called Ghosts in the Valley and More Ghosts in the Valley. And uh, her name was, uh, I think it's Addie Kent. And she would go around interviewing all these people about their stories and the ghosts that they've experienced. And so I think the area in general was kind of known to be haunted. But yeah. Eastern State, I think, is always on everyone's top of the list. I mean, it definitely, I, I tell everyone, whenever it's like, oh, what's one of your favorite places to go? I think 
it's probably Easton State because of how much stuff happened for mm, us. Yeah. I mean, it's it's wild the things that happened to us in that investigation. Yeah. And there's so much stuff that happened that didn't make it into the edit. Oh, so much. Like, I mean, well, firstly, we should probably kind of talk about some of like the witness stuff because yeah. there was there was a there was a bit of, you know, unbeknownst to us, there was a bit of like producer flubbing yeah. with like well, you can kind of explain it because you because your friends your friends with both witnesses, don't uh, you? I know. Well, Zach is a friend of mine. Yeah. Um, and I think there was, um, you know, I don't think it was anything nefarious by any means. I just think it was like production stuff of we didn't have access to where experiences really happened, mm-hmm. and I think the timeline kind of got jumbled up a little bit. So yeah. you know, it, it seems like their their experiences just happened, but I think they happened further back than yeah. what they're saying. So, um, you know, what sucks is since we didn't know about it, I think it kind of affected our investigation a little bit because yeah. we probably weren't in the right places where um, we needed to be. Mm-hmm. With uh, But also, that being said, it's Eastern State and literally every corner of that place is fucked yeah. up. So... Um, and you, but you're friends with, uh, was it Aaron as well? Aaron. Aaron Sager is, yeah. yeah, yeah, Aaron's my buddy. Yeah, he's, and we, I saw, I feel like I saw him recently. When did I see him? He came out, I, I feel like I saw him recently. I can't remember where. Probably though. like a con. No, it wasn't a con. I think he, did he come to one of our, inve- did he come to an investigation that we did? Uh, me in, and you? Yeah, like another one. Uh, he's, I forget. Man. I know. I feel like I ran into him at somewhere at some point recently. Yeah, I actually re- remember there was a little where we were staying. The hotel there was a little like cafe down the street, mm-hmm. and I would go every morning to get smoothies. And you, me, and Aaron walked down there one morning yeah. to get like coffee and smoothies, and we had a little chat on the way back to the hotel. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was actually a great little hotel. Yeah. Um. So. So yeah, I mean, now that we kind of clear that out of the way, you know, that and that's the, that's the difficult thing with, you know, we're trying to tell a story and we're trying to find the, the cleanest, simplest way to tell a story because a lot of these investigations, they're so complex. Yeah. They're so layered. It's so like, well, this person lived here and then they died and then their cousin moved in and murdered that. It's like, so we, we often, you know, as producers, we try and figure out, okay, how can we tell this in 44 minutes in the cleanest, simplest way possible? So when you're vegging out on your couch, it's not like you're watching Game of Thrones and trying to track it. Right, right. And it's also, um, you're kind of at the mercy of, because I always tell people it's a it's a glimmer of what we do. Yeah. It's not the full thing because you don't see all the work that goes into an investigation or episode beforehand. Yeah. And there's so much work and you don't see everything post. And there's so much work in that. It is, and every single person that's part of a crew or an investigation team is so valuable to make these shows work. Yeah. Um, so it's it's challenging. And we're also at the mercy of what people tell us, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do we have, sometimes we can't get the right historians. Sometimes we can't get the witnesses we want. Sometimes people don't want to be on camera. Sometimes they don't want to tell their whole story. Some, you know, so it's like you kind of have red tape with certain things and you're trying to put together the best investigation and show that you can. Yeah. But there's there's inevitably things that pop up that kind of roadblock it. Totally. Um, and even I just spoke with somebody. He was not on our show. So it wasn't our show. But he was telling me a story how he was asked to be a witness 
and um, for some sort of location. And the producers did not ask him to lie, but he was, they were like, have you had an experience? And he was like, sure. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, cool. Can you tell us about it on camera? He's like, sure. And then just proceeded to make up this whole thing. So so it's like some, like, that's always my fear too. Like, how do I, like, I don't know. It's, you know, we, we both have training and human stuff, like in counseling and cop and, but so I don't know. It's yeah, it's tough because it's like you don't. But I always say like we, and even like when my, you know, I'll watch it with my kids. So like, they'll they'll start picking things apart, and you'll be like, well, you know, they'll start following the story and this that, and they'll start asking questions. Well, did that really happen? Did that really happened. I always say we have never, ever, ever like hand on my heart, on a Bible, yeah. on you know, on my kids' lives, we've never faked evidence. Right. Yeah. Now. That not I, I can't speak for every other show out there. You know, there are some shows where you I watch and I'm like, there's no fucking way. Like if they uh, if that was evidence that they captured, why hasn't that been like submitted to the Smithsonian? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like weird weird shit happens. And that being said, there are some investigations where weird shit doesn't really happen, and there's just kind of odd little things. Um, but I mean. Eastern State, though, I can honestly say is one of those places where because it's such a layered story, I think the, you know, with pressure from the producers, they kind of moved people's, you know, they moved, they had people move their timeline a little bit. Yeah. But there was, I mean, that place was just straight up wild. It's, yeah, absolutely. And there's so many, uh, I think about all the people that have been there and the stories we do have. And then I think about the stories that were probably purposely or purposely covered up yeah because you you could Mm -hmm. in prison and i think about all the stories and people will probably never know about totally i mean some of the stuff that didn't quite make it you know didn't make it into the edit for us is that you know we had stories told to us about there was like a doctor there that was doing experiments and like was literally experimenting on people yeah and there were witnesses that saw him didn't they see him like doing stuff in the snow was oh. it? I'm trying to remember this story yeah they, there was some witness that said they like looked out their windows like there was some account that uh, an individual like looked out of like the bars and they saw this doctor like with a bucket of like human parts oh my god yeah and then when we were talking to the people that run the prison they said you know there's actually these underground They'd been kind of forgotten about, but there's these secret underground cells yeah. under the prison. And they told that. So you came to me telling me that. Yeah. And it was it kind of goes into a part of the investigation that was totally cut out. Yeah. But um, I was so shocked. What did they tell you exactly? So I was just asking, like, I can remember I was just like, you know, is, you guys what kind of cool stuff do you guys find here? Because, you know, they, they have all the museum parts of all the shanks that they find and this, that, and the other. And they were, one guy explained to me, he was like, yeah, we recently found, they were doing some kind of excavation and they found these unlisted cells under one of the wings. So basically there was like, it was like super solitary confinement. And, but they were, I don't know why I'm remembering it as they were flooded. Yeah. But I heard like one explanation I heard is that there's toxic gases down there and it's flooded. Mm. I don't know why I'm remembering it that way. That feels a little too. 
Indiana Jones. But the gases feel right to me. I, I do remember something about that. Like they couldn't, it was, they couldn't go into them or they couldn't excavate them the way they wanted to. Yeah. And then I, I somehow, uh, I remember a, an account from a prisoner that was relayed to us kind of, you know, secondhand was that people that go, that went down to those like hidden places didn't come back. Yeah. And, you know, and then there were stories of like, you know, well, and then it, it really kind of got brought up with Michelle when during her psychic sweep. Yeah, her psychic sweep at Eastern State and you guys didn't see the whole thing. I think what I don't even know the minute count of her her psychic sweep in the episode, probably like maybe four or five. Right. And when we do a psychic sweep with Michelle, because she's not blindfolded in this one, but normally no. she's blindfolded. <laughs> it takes forever. Yep. But um Eastern State is huge, and it took us so long to do her sweep, and she was right on the money with oh, everything. And she's rarely not. Yeah. You know, it's like she was just hitting thing after thing after thing, and it like really, I mean, and she was the one that said, you know, there's un- there's something underground here, and we didn't find out that there was underground um, cells until I went to one of the workers at the prison and was like, hey, are there like underground cells here? Yeah, because she was... Um, so how it all went down with Michelle, at some point we're in one of the spokes of the, you know, the prison. And uh, she starts hearing this guy talking to her. And I think his name was like Freddie or Frankie. And he was so upset, a ghost, right? So I'm talking about, she's hearing some sort of spirit voice. And he's telling her, like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. They do things to you and you don't come back. Mm. And that's what she kept repeating. She's like, they take you there and you don't come back. And Maybe that's what I'm remembering. Are, this, yeah. Because he, she, he, she was like, he is so upset. He is so scared. Yeah. And um, so he's telling her where to go. So she's guiding us based off of what she's hearing. And we get down to solitary confinement. And, you know, we know what it was. And, you know, she's looking at it. She's a smart person. I'm sure she could figure out this was solitary confinement. But she's like, no, this isn't it. She's like, there's something deeper. You and I knew we're in the, as far as we thought, we're in the deepest part of the prison you can go. Like, this is solitary confinement. It's kind of underground. Michelle was adamant. There is something deeper. Hmm. And that's where they take you and you don't come back. And then we find out, like, oh, yeah, we found these secret cells that are underground. And so I don't even know that Michelle knows that. I don't know that we've ever told her. No. Yeah, because I don't, because she just, like Michelle does, just vanishes yeah, after. She, <laughs> she, she literally does a psychic sweep, and then, like, you turn around, she's gone. You're like, oh, bye, Michelle. I always picture her turning into, like, a bird, <laughs> like, some, like, sort of, like, vulture, and, like, <laughs> like Winged like, creature. Yeah, she, <laughs> she flies off into the night. <laughs> she goes to hangs out with Lestat. <laughs> um, the, oh, his... So I had the only time I've ever had any kind of, I don't even know what, how to even describe it. It was kind of like, I guess it would be like a psychic vision. And I've never, it's never happened to me since. It was at Eastern State. We were walking into the um, the mess hall. Remember how the, the roof oh, is yeah. gone? Mm-hmm. Um, and I looked over and in like, it was weird. Like I, I saw it in my mind as a memory. This guy, like I could see, in, I looked over and they, I could see all the tables full of people and this guy 
put his hands on the table and leaned over to like get a better look at me. Wow. And I had like a full, like I could draw the guy. He had like a really, he had like crazy receding hairline, but his head was shaved or it was like thinning. A real gaunt face. Um, and he just like looked at me. It was the craziest thing. Only time that has ever happened to me. Do you think it has anything to do with your cop background? I don't know. I, I honestly, I, I never thought of it in that you know, in that sense. But it was the, uh, it's never happened since in any investigation. That's and it was so like it was like someone put a memory in my head, and I could see all these guys and just this dude li- hands on the table. He leans over and he just looks at me, and I was just like, it, it was so strange. Was it in a curious way or a like threatening way? It was a curious way. It was mm. like who the, like who the fuck are these people? Like you know, can you, you can imagine like prisoners in prison? They're yeah. used to the same thing day in and day out, and then all of a sudden. You know, a group of people would have walked through. You'd be like, "Who's that?" Yeah. Oh, that's wild. I don't even think you told me that when we were there. Yeah, it was really, really strange. I, I feel like I, I said something to, you know, what? Maybe I didn't mention it just because it was so weird, and I didn't want to sound like a kook. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So then you question yourself. Yeah, I was just. Yeah, it was odd. Um, now, the evidence that we did get. I mean, we had stuff like, you know, it, this was actually. This was pretty early on. No, this wasn't that early on. But, you know, we, the Geoport, yeah. had a, we had a real... Can you explain to people the Geoport? Yeah, so the Geoport is, uh, I mean, it's a techno... Well, there's a thought in the supernatural field that spirits can communicate electron... Or can manipulate electronics. And uh, it all kind of started with a thing called Frank's Box, which is a radio sweeper. So it sweeps AM radio. Uh, you can also, I guess, get it to sweep FM radio, too. But the thought was that these spirits can manipulate those frequencies and tell you what they want to say using those frequencies. So from there, all these other boxes have come out. There's like everybody has box, you know <laughs> what I mean? And so uh, George Brown, um, I started working with his stuff on Paranormal Lockdown, actually. And again, it's me. So I'm super skeptical. And I'm like, you know, OK. Um, but he's George Brown's an awesome guy. He's an electrical and mechanical engineer. He got interested in the supernatural and started building these boxes just to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had some really interesting results with them. So we got wind of it. We started using his equipment just to test it out. And the turning point for me was when we were working in the UK. There were uh, there were a couple times where things came through so clear and in sentences that I don't know how to explain how that's possible, but I'll tell you about the two times that really won me over. There was one time we were working in an old prison in England. Um, I can't, the town escapes me right now, but we were in the hanging room and it was a room where um, I think Americans had, before World War II, I think there were a bunch of Americans that were hanged there. And we had this really strange for like over an hour knocking responses intelligent knocking responses and it wasn't in one spot of the room it would move so be on the floor be on the ceiling be on one wall another wall and every question we asked for over an hour we would get a response and what we put together from doing that was that it was a woman who was in prison there uh for it was either stealing bread or i'm sorry food or medicine for her child and that's why she was in prison. So we get to kind of the climax of this knocking experience or experiment. And 
uh, you know, you hear all the jumbly noise coming through on the geoport. And then you hear clear as day a woman's voice say, I don't want to die. And then everything stops. Wow. And it was, <laughs> we were like, what the fuck? So the next time, and I was still kind of skeptical because I don't know, like I, here, we're in a prison. We're behind like 30 to 50 foot walls, you know? So even I, I've spoken to George Brown. I'm like, could somebody hack this? Because there is Bluetooth technology involved in, in his devices he builds. And I'm like, could somebody hack that? And he's like, the way I built it, he's like, they shouldn't be able to. Okay. So still kind of skeptical. We do this thing for the network out in uh, England. And we're in London. And we go to, do you know Ald- Aldwych Station? Does that sound no. familiar? I mean, Aldwych. I mean, yeah, Maybe. Okay, so there's an abandoned tube station mm-hmm. at the Aldwych stop, or I don't know if it's the whole train that's abandoned. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, and I don't know. We're so far below ground. I don't even know how far below ground we are. Like, lots of feet. Yeah. Well, yeah, like the, Engl- the tube in England is deep. <laughs> it's so deep. And so no cell phone service, nothing like that. You know, we had to wear hard hats to get down there. It was pretty intense. And they're like, can you guys just do one of your box sessions for for us? And we're like, sure. And they're filming us. So again, like no cell phone service down there. Nothing's working for us. We have this box. Shouldn't be able to get any signal. Shouldn't be able to get anything. So we're using it. Um, and you know, you're getting the jumbly noises. And we're walking with it and we say, can you tell us like where to stop so we can communicate with you? And we hear this voice come through clear as day and it says, it is your decision. Hmm. Now, me and Nick were the only two from our crew there. So even if skeptically you were like somebody from your crew is fucking with it. It was just us. Yeah. And we were like really far into the earth <laughs> like, <laughs> so I don't know who like it just it won me over so um ever since then I've been really interested in George Brown's stuff because I think he's on to something yeah and so yeah we we bring it to eastern state I have a box he made me and it was such a bizarre uh experience because we put it I mean you see it on camera we had a camera on the box to capture sound and um, you see me turn it down and then we start hearing something down the hallway. So that grabs our attention and that's why I turned it down because we were hearing things. Yeah. And then we start walking away and boom, that geoport starts up again. Yeah. And there's, I, we were all like, what that? No, we, I turned it down. Everyone's like, you turned it down. <laughs> like, you know. And the weird thing about it is that it's, no, it's an actual dial. It's not like yeah. it's a digital you know, like an iPad, you can like run your finger up and down it, it you know, something can make the volume go higher and low, whatever, like a, a, a kind of digital glitch. Yeah. It, it doesn't work that way. It's an actual mechanical dial. Yeah. So, and it's also, I called George afterwards. I was like, yo, <laughs> like what's <laughs> up with your box, man? And he's like, that shouldn't happen. I have no explanation for you. Yeah. I'm like, there's gotta be something. He's like, I, he's like, I don't know what to tell you. It was intense, yeah. for sure. I mean, and then I, I saw the, the craziest thing for me, though. Well, actually, I keep saying that about this place because there were so <laughs> many really profound, uh, you know, pieces of evidence we caught was 
the shadow figure that I saw walking from one oh, yeah. one end, you know, out of one cell into the other, and then the cell that it went into without us knowing had a display that had mm. like a whole like you know musical component to it. It was meant to be like a it was meant to be like a a diorama of like this is what a cell would have looked like, and there was a radio that played like old timey music. Yeah, we see the shadow kind of walk in the direction of this room. And then all of a sudden the display turns on. What did the shadow look like to you? Human, human size. And I could just, I could see the gait of its leg walking and I could see arms moving. Whoa. Like a full, like it was like someone just kind of, almost like the Bigfoot walk going from <laughs> one cell to the other, like across the hall. And, uh, and I was like, wait, wait. And I thought maybe is it, because there was a, a night watchman at the, prison i guess that place can't be left completely abandoned there has to be someone on property at all times there was someone there but they were in the like front office and that where that spoke came out was like way at the back of the prison Mm. um and so i i mean that was that was very odd to me yeah yeah was that the first time for you seeing a shadow seeing a shadow like to that effect yes like clear as day that looks like a human figure walking at the end of a hole um, and it wasn't slow either. It wasn't, and it, and I could see, like I said, I could, I could see the light between its legs as it, as it walked death, you know. Wild. Yeah. Was Eastern state, is that, is it fair to say that that's a place that kind of tilted you one way as far as your beliefs? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What did it for you there? Um, I, I think it was the intensity of the experiences mm-hmm. and there were, that's one of the few places I've been to where I was like truly terrified even when i was with people Mm. um you know when i went up to the um death row wing oh yeah and i really it it took a it took the producers being like come on let's just go do this like you know we've still got a few hours to go let's just go come on and they had to really talk me up and i was like i just don't want to do this what did it feel like when you were in there everything in me was just like leave get Mm. out and just run get out of the space this is not a good space to be um, and then I was, you know, they were, they were interviewing me asking me that exact question. Like, what are you feeling? And there was a light, big hanging light just started moving above me or right, right behind me actually. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> and yeah, it, it had been stormy, but I think at this time of night, I think the rain had stopped and it wasn't that, it wasn't that crazy. And even if the wind was blowing, there was a bunch of other lights in there. Yeah. Like, surely they would have been moving, too, but there was the only one. It was also a heavier lamp, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. And this big old kind of, like, steel, like, hosp- they almost look like hospital lamps, those big yeah. round ones. Um, yeah, and that, you know. And so when you start kind of adding up all the experiences of, like, the Melmeter going nuts, the you know, what was coming through on the ghost box and, you know, and then having the dial turn the volume up the shadow figure the light moving when you were in you know you you, you said you said it yourself when you l- went locked in the uh the cell mm-hmm. you were like you were you were vi- visibly uncomfortable it was uh it's not a good feeling i prisons are my least favorite place to investigate because i i mean i think you know, it's so funny. And this is something you and I share, like a, a love for criminal justice. Like we're both like really interested in it. And I remember in high school, I had taken some classes and 
part of your class was to go to the local prison, which is, um, it's not like a prison. It's like the jail. Mm. And, uh, there's some characters in there. (laughs) So I remember how uncomfortable that was. So I think part of my uncomfortableness is going back to that memory, but just on an emotional level, it's really hard to, to be in a prison and think about all those people, even if they weren't good people, it's still, I have a, I have trouble with it. I feel uncomfortable. Um, but uh, yeah, being in there locked in a cell with a bag over your head was, I mean, it wasn't super fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, but you're right. There is prisons and asylums. They're always the worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just an intensity about, you know, those buildings for good reasons. I mean, nothing, you know, they're not happy places. They're not, Mm-mm. I mean, it's, 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 it's people who are either, you know, society's worst or society's sickest yeah. that are kind of just confined into one space. And that back in the day, until pretty much they died. It's interesting. The history tour I took of Eastern State, um, it was one that I took in, oh gosh, what year was it? 2016, 2017. It was before you and I met. And it was uh, my friend Heather. Heather Taddy was mm-hmm. visiting me. And we were like, let's go to Eastern State. And we had the best tour guide I've ever had on any history tour ever. I, I want to say his name was Tim, but I might be conflating that because he kind of looked like Tim Robbins. Okay. And I thought it was funny because of Shawshank. Yeah. Like, this is kind of funny that they have a guy that looks like him and like, <laughs> he's giving us a tour. But the question he asked us at the top of the tour was, what do you think is worse, being or what would you want? Would you want to be locked away in a cell by yourself? Or would you want to be in a cell with rapists and murderers? And everyone was like, I want to be alone. And he's like, okay, so that's what Eastern State thought we should do too. But it turns out it's like a thousand times worse for you as a human being to be locked away by yourself because we're social creatures. Totally. And um, Like bison. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, But his that stuck with me so much the way he put it and explained it you know yeah um yeah i gotta say you know out of out of all the places eastern state really just something about it just really really hit right you know and it's it's very high up there on my woogie boogie scale that place what would Uh, you mark it as oh that's like an maybe nine yeah you know it's just because it i was so so scared um one thing that just popped out to me was, you know, when you were on the, when we were doing the baseline tour, you started having like physical reactions, oh, yeah. like almost pain in your back. Mm-hmm. Um, does that happen to you often on, on hunts? Sometimes it, uh, I'll get like physical reactions sometimes, or uh, like what you were talking about where you got a memory in your head, yeah. that'll happen sometimes. Um, the physical stuff, it has either been a connection to how somebody died, how somebody, like something that was done to them, or it's just my body reaction to a shift in the environment. Yeah. So at Eastern State, I don't know what that was. Um, but we were in the hospital wing, mm-hmm. you know, so was it like a surgery somebody had or a pain somebody had or... You were getting a phantom shanking. Yeah, a phantom shanking. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a whole new type of show. Do you know that I didn't know what shanking meant? Really? Until like maybe eight years ago. Huh. Or, no, was it? Yeah, yeah. It was It was recently. So How did you when... discover what a shanking was? <laughs> and what did you think it was? I thought, so when I was growing up, and my, my friends think this too, so it must be a regional thing, or maybe somebody's big brother or sister lied to us. <laughs> and so we just like told everyone this is what shanking is. Um, but I thought it was when you pull down somebody's pants. So like you go up to them and you shank them. Oh. And so, (laughs) (laughs) so I would like, I think back about it now, how many times I've casually dropped like, oh yeah, I shanked that person. (laughs) Used to shank them in high school. And people were like, fucking loser. (laughs) You just got shanked, motherfucker. And I wonder if people are like, oh, she's from Philly. I guess it makes sense. But like, (laughs) um, (laughs) I'm going to tell the kids that. Yeah, when you pants someone, you shanking them. So I was talking to somebody casually one day, and I think it was at work. Like I was on set somewhere, and I was laughing. I'm like, huh, we used to shank this. Like it was like a friend of ours, you know, not like we weren't bullies, but it was like a buddy. And we were like, oh, yeah, we shanked our friend's brother. Oh, ha, ha, ha. It was so funny. And they were like, what? <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, you know, you just like shank somebody because it's funny. <laughs> They're like, what the hell is wrong with you? And then at some point they were like, you know what shanking means? And I was like, yeah, it's when you pull somebody's pants down. And they're like, that's that's not what shanking is. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> totally could not be further from what it is. Yeah. So there's probably a lot of people that think I'm like a hardened criminal. I don't know. That I just stab people for funsies. Breaking spoons off in people's <laughs> low up kidney. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, that's, you know, good to know. Well. Should we uh, should we wrap this one up? Yeah. All right. That was uh. Where was where, where does Eastern State rank for you? Um, probably a seven or an eight. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like constant activity. Yeah. It's constant there. Didn't let up. Uh uh-uh. uh. No. Mm-mm. All right, folks. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening. Um, please, uh, if you want to watch this, you can go to YouTube. Uh, click like and subscribe. If you do find us on YouTube, and you can hear this wherever you uh, get podcasts. And where can people watch the episodes, Katrina? Oh, which uh, Portals? Portals. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so people can check out Portals on Discovery+. Plus. It is all there for your streaming pleasure, seasons one, two, and three. Yep, yep. And uh, the next episode, I think we're going to dive into the LaLaurie Mansion. So excited, you guys. One of, I think... Every, everyone's so curious about this place and we have been the only investigators allowed in I so know, cool. we have some stories for you alright well uh, tune in next time have a good one folks see you guys with everything you have on your plate earning your degree online seems impossible but at Grand Canyon University we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.